Possibly Gilman ought not to have studied so hard. Non-Euclidean calculus and quantum physics are enough to stretch any brain. And when one mixes them with folklore and tries to trace a strange background of multidimensional reality behind the ghoulish hints of the gothic tales and the wild whispers of the chimney corner, one can hardly expect to be wholly free from mental tension. And perhaps there is no juicier morsels for filmmakers than those written by H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic Lovecraft adaptations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be talking about 2022's Dreams in the Witch House, the sixth episode in Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, written by Mia Watkins and directed by Catherine Hardwick. And since it's an episode on Dreams in the Witch House, you should already know what that means. You love them. Can't live without them. David Bax, joining us, the first and and I believe at this point only three Pete guest of uh, of the of the Cassic Lulu, David Bax from Battleship Pretension. Oh, hey, I'm glad to to set that benchmark. Um, uh, I guess more, I don't I don't know uh, uh, what other stories have been adapted again and again, but you got to find some <laughs> uh, repeat guests for those. What is the well, most adapted H.P. Lovecraft story? I would probably say uh, the Color of Space would be my my guess. Um, at least in terms of direct adaptations, there are a lot of stories which sound very similar to Shadow Over Innsmouth in the sense of. I am the protagonist in this small town and there's weird fish creatures in the sea. Um, mm. But the color out of space, you know, something crashes in a tiny town. Those people start mutating into something. I, I mean, even something like Annihilation, like, oh, hey, that sounds very similar, but it's not actually inspired by that yeah. at all. But there is something about the broad strokes of that story that just make it very yeah. um, ripe for um, adaptation or... Um, yeah, basically. But um I've seen yeah. I've seen the Nicolas Cage one and I've mm-hmm. seen it's not called Color Our Space. What's the one with the uh, little Will Wheaton from the oh, 80s? The curse, the curse, the curse. The curse. Yes, yeah. I've seen the curse. Yeah. Uh, that um, one that one was uh yeah, yeah. We, did, we did that one. <laughs> but David, yeah, thanks for coming back. Um me back. I mean, I did I did this to myself, by the way, you know, cuz I <laughs> I volunteered to do Dreams in the Witch House from Masters of Horror because it was like the the only thing I'd seen that you hadn't covered yet. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I believe so. And then, uh, and then when the one came out last year, um, which I'm already forgetting, was that called Dreams in the was, Witch House? I think it was just called Witch House. Witch House, right? When Witch House came out last year, I reached out to you, and I said, <laughs> "Let's do this again." And now I'm locked mm-hmm. in, and I had to watch. <laughs> I had to watch this. H.P. Lovecraft's yeah. Witch House is officially the name of that that movie. Right. Bobby uh, Easley. Yes. Um, David has signed his name in the black book yes. for any, any future adaptations of Dreams in the Witch yes. House. Yeah. Um, now, have we have we rubbed off on you? Have you gone on to read any more Lovecraft after you've dabbled with us? I, I did buy a collection of Lovecraft. I haven't read it, <laughs> but uh, I, I did. I did go that far, at least. I mean, isn't isn't that isn't that the tale of the pandemic? All of us have bought things that we intended to get around to yeah. and never have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, I know this is not a video podcast, but uh, Jim, tell me about your shirt. Oh, uh, so my my shirt says uh, "Fight Like a Final Girl," nice. yeah. and it's got Ellen Ripley on it. Ah. Um, it it is from an I don't know if it was an Etsy store, but a store called uh, Poltergeist oh. and Paramours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they started selling variations of these so you could get Ellen Ripley or Sidney Prescott or Heather Langenkamp. Basically, after the, the Dobbs decision was handed down, 
um, they started selling them so that you could, yeah. uh, so they could donate money towards um, abortion clinics and and stuff around around the, the country. So I, I bought, I think I bought it in June, and I got it um, sometime in like last, uh, well, last winter. We are still in the winter, but like winter of 2022. Like it took a while for yeah. them to come out. I guess it yeah. was just such a high demand, and she had to make them all. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I just called that out so you could give them a shout out. I actually knew all of that because I have the Marilyn Burns one. Uh, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I went to go check, I was, I, I debated between Ripley and Sydney Prescott, and I ultimately aired on the side of Ellen Ripley. But... Well, they're like the, they were, um, the, the, because the, they were tied to like, there were the number of shirts was the number of like states that had abortion bans that were going to go into effect immediately. And so they oh, okay. had a, they had a your next one. And I almost, mm. I thought I, maybe I should buy that one because like that's Missouri and that's where I'm from. So maybe I should, sure. But I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, it's just one of the 10 greatest movies ever made. I can't not have that. So, yeah. Right. And, and of course, you're referring to the Netflix 2022 Texas yes, Chainsaw Massacre course. being one yeah. of the. I didn't see that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's bad. I know. What was the um, other, what was the like one from like 2006 or something? Wasn't there? Well, there's the remake, and then there's the prequel yeah, when... to the remake, and then there's the... Oh, right. Then there's the one that was... What's her name? It's supposed to be from the original or something, but it's like in present day. Okay. There, there like... was there was Texas uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D right. from like 2013 or something. Then it was Leatherface oh, after that. There's a Leatherface movie, and then there's... Yeah, yeah. It's like there's too many, actually. Okay. All right, yeah. So the 2003... I guess remake, right? With yeah. Jessica Biel. Yeah, that's Jessica, that Jessica Biel. Yeah. yeah, so I never saw Harley that, but I've but I've seen people on Twitter sort of trying to reclaim it that it's like good yeah, actually. I, I, I don't know if it is or not. I ha- I haven't seen it since then, so yeah. I mean it it could be it's probably better than the ones that have come after it. Right, and that's that's the thing. I when I saw it, I'm like, this is garbage. But based on everything else that has come out, it it it. What what's the phrase? A, a rising tide of shit floats uh, <laughs> all boats, or whatever. Like it, you know, it's so it's probably good in comparison to everything that has come since. But I maybe I should give it another shot. It, it was it was another one of those movies that attempted to kind of give a backstory as to why the family is Leatherface yeah. was the way that he was. Yeah, and we, I yeah. I don't find that yeah. interesting yeah. at all. But you know, um, Marcus Nispel. Why remember when we were all fascinated with giving a music video directors movies? Oh yeah, I think we should still do that. Well, yeah, I think we kind of yeah. we kind of do. I we mean, still do. There's, yeah, there's still yeah, there's I mean, still, and, and there's some uh, good ones. I mean, you people know. Who come from that. Yeah, I mean, because I think I, I like that. I like people who come from things like music videos and commercials because it those those people like came up in a filmmaking med- medium that's very much visual first do you know what i mean sure as opposed mm-hmm. to coming from like i mean there have been good movies from playwrights obviously kenneth, kenneth lonergan and um i didn't see the son but i liked the father the thorian zellers uh mm-hmm. movie but i feel like if people come from that world they're like so story first you know that Tony the movies Cushing. the movies can be a little like uh uh bland looking but when people come mm-hmm. from a, a background where they had to make movies or make you know short films that were uh, not necessarily story reliant. Uh, I often find those to be very interesting directors. Oh, that makes sense. Well, you well, you heard it here, folks. Mark Webb is David's favorite director. <laughs> <laughs>
um no that, ma that makes a lot of sense um i oh man we could go down so many paths i don't necessarily want to because i know we're all busy we've got stuff to do people yeah. i have uh, anecdotally i don't have any proof that people don't like when we divulge into tangents before we even started the episode but i did want to there was one thing i wanted to get to before we got to the episode which was james and i talked about this a little bit on the last episode and this is kind of old hat right now but tyler Coming yeah. back onto Battleship Retention was such a wonderful thing to hear. I was listening to it, uh, that episode, the I believe it was the Glass Mailbag episode. That's is what we called it, yeah. It. yeah. Um, on the way home uh, from work one night, it was great to hear him, not just like aesthetically, but also just to hear him give his thoughts and talk yeah. about movies again. Yeah. Um, has that, I just want to like, have, have you guys been like working on that for a while? You've been seeing him talking to him for a little bit. Like what kind of led to that episode ultimately kind of being created and put out there? Okay. So yeah, little backstory. I'm sure you said you talked about it last week, but, um, yeah, my co-host of Battleship Retention, uh, Tyler has been, um, hospitalized since August, uh, um, with a severe and very rare case of West Nile virus. He was comatose and things have been coming back. Uh, uh, piece by piece. Um, you can find out all uh, about this at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Um, and there's also a link to the GoFundMe uh, pinned to the top of the homepage at battleshipretention.com. Uh, but yeah, th things have been coming back. He's he's still in the hospital. He still um, uh, has very little, he has essentially no movement of his body below his neck. Um but uh, he's been able to. He does do... have feeling, though, right? Yes, he does have feeling. Um, okay. Which is good, but also, like, you know, probably very upsetting uh, to be able to feel <laughs> your body and not be able to move it. Um, anyway, he uh, has been able to talk uh, with the. Because he's still on a ventilator. He can't breathe on his own, but uh, he has a speaking valve. Uh, so he, he's been able to talk for the past, I don't know, six weeks or so, finally. Um, and uh yeah we've done now a couple episodes we're um i'm working on doing one more sometime in february but we'll we'll see um but yeah he's 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 getting better bit by bit i actually just spent all day with him yesterday we watched banshees of inishiran um mm. and uh yeah it's 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 very scary um but he's in a new facility now that has cuz he um he was in like hospital ho hospitals for uh, up until just earlier this month. Now he's in a, a more of a rehab type facility, which has uh, looser visitation policies, which means for the first time, he's finally able to see his kids. He hasn't seen his kids oh, in yeah. person okay. since August and until, until earlier this week, he has not had not seen his kids in person. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, there's things, there are things to be optimistic about. I am trying to remain optimistic, but it is, it is taking a long time and, and, uh, uh, yeah, your, your thoughts and wishes and prayers and also your donations, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, help because, you know, medical care in America is very expensive and, uh, um, uh, so that's what the GoFundMe is for. Well, and we will, I, we've, we've we've posted in the past but i will repost the link yeah. for both the carrying bridge and the gofundme in the show notes of this episode so by all means um people check that out um anything you can give is going to be more than they had previously so by no means should you uh be concerned about um giving little because yeah. every little bit helps yes um, yeah. as cliche as that sounds but it was great to hear him I, I joked with james on the episode that like 
It was great to hear him. Uh, and in typical Tyler fashion, he was eloquent. He was well-spoken. And I disagreed with a lot of what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, that was, that was absolutely wonderful. So yeah, um, all best wishes heading towards Tyler, uh, to Jen and just to everyone involved and you yourself, David, I know, I mean, it's a best friend, so this is, this can't be easy to, to go through as well. So thank you. Um, hopefully we can distract you with some witches, with some houses, with some dreams about and in said items. Um, uh, but maybe we can't because not, um, not a lot having to actually do with dreams in the witch house for this episode. Um, yeah, I was, uh, uh, it's a long time it's like almost halfway into the episode before it starts actually being you know mm -hmm. we we i we i think we hear the name keziah mason kind of early on um yeah. but then uh he doesn't like actually get to the house until like halfway through the episode <laughs> right. and doesn't spend a ton of time there no um actually um no this was yeah so like i said this is the third time we've been covering an adaptation of this story if you are unfamiliar with it this is your first time I'll just kind of go over the general plot points. But yes, there is a man in the story uh, that Lovecraft wrote. And let me see, the 1930s, 1933 is when it was published. But basically, a, a student moves into a house uh, to pursue academic studies. He chooses that house because a witch by the name of Keziah Mason used to live there. And um, there's stuff with spooky um, calculus. And basically, this idea of how mathematics kind of opens the door to this larger grandiose and horrible knowledge that our Lovecraftian protagonist tend to go through. So it's kind of an interesting slant because it's like, it is actual, this, these old ones, this old black magic is sort of built into the inherent calculus of our actual physical reality, which is very interesting. This guy accidentally opens the door because I am Mason comes out. This man dies. Everything goes very badly. Uh, Basically, with the exception of everything going very badly, none of that really happens in this adaptation. There's, there's no, there's um, no math at all. Actually, there's, there's no math. There's they're drugs. Not, no math. He, they're not even really dreams. They're like he's like tripping. <laughs> yeah, he's tripping. He's, he's going. Tripping. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a different plane of reality, basically. Like he's he's yeah. It's not yeah. really dreams as much as you are just now in the spooky forest kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's you no. Know, so so it's very interesting because when I when I watch through. Um, cabinet of curiosities um i i think i told this to both of you but like i didn't expect i'm like oh Catherine hardwick cool the twilight lady this is probably going to be pretty bad i was really into it um but if you go back through imdb which take this all with a grain of salt in terms of the uh the star rating it is the lowest rated of all of the episodes actually um at 5.6 out of 10 stars um, and just to, to show that that's kind of not a fluke, um, a, uh, a review of it from RogerEbert.com, which they kind of give blurbs on or reviews on it, every episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. Despite the intrigue from its casting, including Nia Vardalos and DJ Qualls, this visually, this visually drab story of grief and haunted spaces only has its punchiness to keep it interesting. It constantly shifts and tries to raise the stakes. But this one is also guilty of being the plainest its ideas about denying grief are only more memorable because the rat ain't no ordinary rat. That is, of course, um, Brown Jenkins, who in this episode they call Jenkins Brown. I, yeah, I'm like, why to change? <laughs> the yeah, original Brown Jenkins got pissed about that. No, 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 no. DJ Qualls <laughs> is playing me? Switch that name around, please. Yeah. Um... Oh, the guy from the new guy? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this whole, whole new thing going on. Um... <laughs> 
DJ Qual, I, I won't, I won't name the 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 place because I want to blow up any anybody's spot. But DJ Qualls occasionally plays bar trivia at, at a, a place that Natalie, my wife and Natalie and I play bar trivia. So we've like seen him and, and chatted with him before. So uh, I hope I see him again because I'm gonna, definitely going to call him Jenkins Brown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jenkins. Uh, Maybe is if that is that his trivia name, and then like you're the only person in the bar. Like oh, I got that. I get it. I get what he's doing. Um, but yeah, they, they, this is, and, and really, if you kind of go through the reviews of this episode, once again, on IMDb, you don't have to, it's probably, it's probably healthy if you don't, but a lot of the low ratings actually do just come from people who are saying like, this is not indicative of Lovecraft and who he is. And like, I, I ultimately have to agree. Like, I like this episode a lot. I actually, I don't think it's the plainest. I think that Pickman's model, as we discussed on our last episode is the worst episode of this entire series, but no, it, it doesn't. It, it's it's a very, I think, touching story about a, a, a brother who wants to kind of recapture the the relationship he had with his do- uh, his sister who died when they were kids. Um, there's some magic. There's, Twin I think, sister, an incredibly yeah. effective spooky witch. Oh, yeah. um, I think the creature design on that is really, really cool. Okay, that's because I did not like this episode, but I will absolutely agree with you that the creature design was cool. Um, okay. <laughs> like it was like because it was a lot that looked I mean, it looked like it was physically built you know mm-hmm. not like uh but i think there was some cgi enhancements with the flames in her eyes that i thought looked, yeah. looked very cool uh mm-hmm. yeah i definitely liked the design of the of the witch but um i i, I found the rest of it maybe because i was going into it expecting it to be dreams in the witch house i i i found a lot of the rest of it to to be sort of uh ginned up and uninteresting and um I, I don't know, just like and like using. It's just interesting <laughs> that to some people who don't know Lovecraft, which is kind of includes me, but like to someone like mm-hmm. my wife, if you say H.P. Lovecraft to her, the first thing she thinks of is racism, right? <laughs> and so mm. this episode, yeah, brings in <laughs> yeah. Native American like right. exoticism and spirit like it brings in a different kind of racism uh, yeah. than what, what he, like why are you inviting that um so i didn't uh, I, I didn't like that um i didn't like rupert grint's accent well, i don't know what that was supposed to be brooklyn i don't know oh just wait until you watch pickman's model David. oh yeah i'm not going to uh crispin glover is is making some choices there okay. hello there uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I, I mean, I love I, I love Nia Vardalos, but it's essentially a cameo, right? Yeah, I mean, it, but, yeah. yeah, basically, outside of that opening scene, she's not yeah, seen again. Yeah, my big yeah. fat Greek cameo. It's like, okay, see you later, <laughs> Nia. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just uh, ex- I wanted something scarier or more like psychologically scary, and um, I thought this was basically just kind of like lazy melodrama. I wasn't as touched I, by the sibling relationship as you were. See, and I, I hear all that, I process it. I can't say I disagree with really any of it. Yeah. Um, I think there was, I, I don't, maybe I was primed to like it just by basically because of what came before it, which was Pikmin's model, which I thought was so kind of lackluster and just kind of disappointing that it was like oh thankfully something that's back here that that is yes it is kind of by the numbers like they don't they don't try to do too much with it in terms of um 
I guess um, some of the other episodes in Cabinet of Curiosity. So maybe this is unfair that I'm also just using other episodes as kind of a baseline or comparison or what have you. Um, some of the other episodes get real kind of macabre and uh, visceral. Others kind of get real psychological and kind of trippy. Um, and this one is just is kind of the most I, I get why the review is saying the plainest, because it is the most straightforward. And like, hey, why don't we just kind of tell a. an American scary story. And like, it doesn't have many ambitions to be anything beyond that. And I kind of appreciated that. And also just appreciated that Rupert Grint didn't like sounded somewhat believable as a Bostonian. Once again, in comparison to Crispin Glover, who's like, I I was even trying to think of like, what's a good Crispin Glover impression I could do, but sort of like, if the word was worth W O R T H. It'd be like, what's it worth to you? Like, it, like almost as though he's trying to be like an old timey gangster. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah. but okay, and, I don't know. I Rupert Grint's accent. I guess it's supposed to be Boston. It didn't sound like Boston to me. I think I think it's supposed to be Boston. At least, yeah. don't quote me on that. But I'm, anyway. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, and I, I mean, you make good points, and I wonder if it's my problem that I like that I know the story, and also mm-hmm. the nature of these things. This is the only one I've watched, but. I'm guessing everyone starts with an introduction by Guillermo del Toro, like this Correct. one, like this one did. And del Toro's introduction is so much about H.P. Lovecraft, right? Yeah, to, to like prime you for that, and then immediately go into anything that like just makes a wide berth around most of the Lovecraftian stuff in this Lovecraft. It like <laughs> so maybe I'm bringing extra textual stuff to it that is keeping me from uh, enjoying it. Um, one other thing that I like took took me out in a weird way. The song that keeps playing that reminds him of his sister is is the Skyboat song, which is like a an old like classic like Scottish folk song. But it's also the Outlander theme song, and so I kept thinking about <laughs> Outlander. <laughs> which I, that's not fair. That like this song that has existed for centuries before Outlander existed, but now to me, hmm. I just like I I was like thinking about Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> i get that certainly the the uh that i i don't want to say iconic but that really identifiable string piece from chronos quartet from requiem for a dream where it's like yeah. it's yeah. used in so many other things including commercials i'm like well now i'm just thinking about jared leto getting his arm cut yeah. off <laughs> yeah. i don't know why you made that choice right. but i get that um james what about what about you we've, um, we've barely heard you've been over there all meekly just kind of you know <laughs> sitting back on your couch well, because um i'm in the middle of both of you like i didn't Ooh. hate the episode but i also didn't really like it it's kind of middle of the road and mm-hmm. again it's like you're gonna adapt a lovecraft story like dreams of the witch house which we've seen before like I just don't understand why they diverge so much from the actual story. Like I understand when you add stuff to his short stories, because sometimes there's not much, you know, meat on the bone when it comes to characterizations and stuff, but it's like, this is just like, it almost feels like Rob Zombie's Halloween, how it starts off as one movie. And then it's like, Oh wait, we have to actually show that this is, this original story that was already shown and read about. So here's here's a witch. Here's the house. Here's the rat with the face of a man. Um, and then it's over. And you're like, okay, is what did I just watch? Was it enjoyable? Eh. I mean, you know, like, 
I mean, I guess DJ Qualls as a rat face man, you know, like is is fun. Yeah, but like, not bad. No, not I, bad. I, I don't know. But 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 I'm saying it's so corn. Like it's it's actually really cheesy at the end. It's like, oh, now I'm gonna take over his body until it rots away, and it's like almost like a tongue in cheek. He's just like a he's an asshole. Like look, he's stealing an apple, and <laughs> how long would he survive <laughs> yeah. doing that in Boston of 1930 something? <laughs> fucking be shot to death. Like you're stealing my apple, I'm gonna kill you. His ultimate goal is to become Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man Three yes. when he gets the Venom. Suit. Yeah, when he becomes like Goth Hitler, you know, um, like uh, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> That's what he, I don't know. Always when I think of Spider-Man Three, I think of Goth Hitler, the haircut, the haircut with the little side, the proud, the proud, the boy, proud haircut. boy haircut. Yes, that's what they emulate. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just, you know, while Pickman's model, I, you know, I enjoyed it more than you, but I wasn't like ecstatic about it. I think that's a better Lovecraft adaptation than this. And it's and it's mm-hmm. weird, like David said, in the intro with the Toro, Del Toro himself, I was expecting straight up like, okay, this is going to be like a more money behind it than the Masters of Horror episode and the movie we watched. So like, cool, we're going to see like trippier visions and stuff. And it's like, besides, you know, the witch like look, which, you know, had this like ritual, you know, wooden like, but I, which I loved. That's all that's like I remember about it already. And I, and I watched this a few hours ago again. And I'm like, I can't recall. And again, like David said, you know, you have two women, you know, one writing this and one directing this. And you would think they would fight against the racist stuff of Lovecraft past. And <laughs> yeah, right away, I'm like, oh, so Native Americans are drug dealers at this time? Okay. And then, yeah, yeah. then like two of the like black black characters one is like an overzealous you know, religious nun of some sort and the other one is like a crazy you know crazed from these visions that all she does is paint and that's it and you're like yeah lovecraft would not write these characters at all unless he was talking something even worse but it's like you could have done <laughs> so much more you could have done like so much more and then like then you have um, what was his friend's name? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember. Right. But yeah, his friend, who, he's bitter about because his friend gets a, a better job than right. him. Right, Frank, Frank, Frank Elwood, whatever. Yeah, and like he's just a non-entity. He's like, I don't believe it. Oh, okay, I guess I do believe it now. It's in front of me. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like, and it, you know, like I said again with the whole rat thing. That's in the you know we start out in the the you know the Stuart Gordon one with the rat coming out of him when he's in the insane asylum. But it's but that it's just like okay he's dead boom I'm not gonna take over his body and do a dance and like leave I don't know it's just very like the more I talk about it, the more actually the more I'm disliking this story well, like, yeah um... <laughs> like I don't know it's like I feel bad because going into it I was like really hyped I was like oh Jim really liked this one and it's like I see elements of it that I like and like you know I or stuff that I you know to me this could have just been a different like. A, not a Lovecraft story. Like if you made this story with, you know, a guy that loves his sister so much and go, and you could have the witch, you could have L, you could even have a rat face guy and be like, wait a second. That's kind of like from the Lovecraft story, but I guess they're just like a nod to it. You know what I mean? It almost feels like they almost do a nod, but then it's a little too much of the original that it's like, wait a second, you're adapting it. And it- called dreams in the witch house right exactly <laughs> yeah. so ultimately you can't say well we were just trying to yeah. give a nod to it no you you said you were and it's like like the first half i'm like okay this is going a weird way this is interesting I'm like where but where's the witch house 
There's a, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, like like you know, we were saying that there was references. There was like a picture of the witch house, and it's like, oh wait, we got to go there now. And then it's like, oh, but let's go to the church for most of the the climax. And it's like, okay, that climax I mean, was which was like I trying think... to be like trying to you know what that climax reminded me of like like wish wish version of like a Sam Raimi film like the craziness but not as interesting no. to look at like it no. was it's overlit <laughs> it's over cgi i think that's a big part of my problem is yeah. that, like i don't think that Catherine hardwick is that great a director and I've, I've never really liked her her stuff and I, and I thought this was despite being like you said probably a bigger budget than the Stuart gordon one the yeah. Stuart gordon one which i don't love at least like looks cool i think um yeah or at least compared to this and i also think uh, between this dude gordon one and this one to me i i maybe there's just not a way to do brown jenkins yes like a literal version of brown jenkins that doesn't look weird like bobby easley's <laughs> like the cheapo one had like a hairy guy right if i'm remembering right, correctly. right, right. yes <laughs> and yes. like that, that looked better i mean honestly i have to say of the three we've watched it might. It comes as a surprise, but the, the <laughs> trashy, exploitative, like director VOD movie has been my favorite of them. <laughs> Those are some bold words. Um, bold. So, <laughs> I, so I have one more point to make that I forgot, which because James okay. brought up the um, the 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 sister, but also brought up like uh, Gilman being like jealous of his of his buddy. I think like mm-hmm. um, Gilman in the in the story in. And I think even to some extent, even in Stuart Gordon's adaptation, is not a particularly sympathetic man. And so I do, no. I do wonder if this is like, you know, um, the the if they added all this backstory and stuff to make him someone you can root for, as opposed to what he is in the story, which is someone you watch terrible things happen to, which right. is good enough for me. But I, I so, but yeah, whoever was I, mean, I forget the writer's name, but I think she she wanted to make him somewhat likable. It's not even as though I we, we need to to like him. My my biggest question. Well, maybe you guys are, are talking me into having an unfavorable opinion about this episode. Resist maybe, peer maybe, pressure, Jim. Maybe what I really liked is just the the design of of Kazaya Mason, yeah. and and I will make one more point on that before I move on to what I was going to say. But it does seem like there was some borrowing from del toro design because you know like uh-huh. especially in the devil's backbone how when the the kid it, like we see the ghost of the kid he's got the the blood flowing out of him like because oh, it, it's yeah. not emulating but it's like he drowned and that's where the blood came out so that's how we see him is how he was in his last state yes and the witch reminded me of that like you had the the fire kind of coming out of the back like yeah if she was a witch she was probably burned at the stake mm-hmm. and so we are seeing right. that's how she was so i thought that was actually really really cool oh, yeah. um and and wondered if if there was uh, actually some del Toro influence or insight into that. But um, yeah, I, I don't even need to have a character who is sympathetic or likable. My biggest complaint is basically the the lack of fatalism. I mean, one of the greatest things about Lovecraft stories, and you know, you can put air quotes around greatest, but it's just this idea. We've talked about this so many times in so many stories and so many films. That idea that as soon as the story starts the dice were cast. Like there was no going back. Like it was determined that what was going to happen was going to happen because mm-hmm. everything is outside of the control of people. Uh, whereas here, um, I don't get that sense. Like, you know, there are deliberate choices that Rupert Grint makes that bring about his own fate. There's a much more, there's a focus on an individual relationships instead of sort of existentialism and fatalism. 
And I really think that that loses something, especially specifically horror, because that is what is so scary about Lovecraft stuff is the idea of like, oh, we have no control over our fate. Whereas this one's like, no, he did. He just made some really bad choices, including, I guess, um, you know, a bad trip, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> True, but, but remember, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's the, a painting, great point, the painting said it all, though. That's the fatalism, I guess. That's like the 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 paint by numbers fatalism part, like as opposed to actually yeah. show, you know, having it occur. It's like, mm. oh, he survived the night. I, I'm glad. Oh wait, no, <laughs> no, my paintings are always right. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> forgot to say that. You know, yeah, no, that, that that actually is a good point. That the uh, there was some of that fatalism, I guess, but with the yeah. The, the painting prophecy, but uh, yeah, that is one of the things I like about the Lovecraft point of view. Yeah, because I've now I feel now I feel like I've I've lied to the listeners because now I'm talking like no, this was really disappointing. Like, and and, and, no, <laughs> and and Jim, the sad part is like in, in you know I was going like again I was going to this thinking okay well Pinkman's Pinkman's model the ending was really like visceral like oh shit okay it didn't matter what happened he he's fucked you know the you yeah know, this is just like. Okay, he's just he's just is is screwed. Individually, right, right. Yes. It's just the individual. Like everything else is pretty good, like except for whoever Jenkins Brown goes and screws around with. <laughs> like you know, like if he meets a woman and like, oh look, I'm a rat in, inside a human body now. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, yeah. You know, like well, and that's also so that leads to another question, which I I didn't realize I had until we started talking about this, but. Yeah. What is Brown Jenkins' grand scheme here? Uh, by possessing this man, and and I guess running his his body into the ground until he's a walking corpse. Like what is like what is he? Because Kaziah Mason is dead by the end of the episode. Right. Like her her as her as a threat is kind of we vanquish that we're past that. Um, so what is Brown Jenkins doing? Just he stealing apples from from vendors? He's a very big fan of the hidden. That's why, like, he's just gonna go through body to body and wear them out, and just do the most visceral, like, enjoyable things until he's just until Kyle McLaughlin gets him, you know. But see, I, I'd watch that. That I'd actually watch. But yeah, what is his plan? It's just being a dick. Okay, cool. And and because also the the focus on that because they bookend it too, where we have we don't realize it's Brown right. Jenkins doing voiceover at the beginning right. until then we have it at the end. Um. So then the implication is also Brown Jenkins was the big threat here the whole time, not Kaziah Mason. And it's like, oh, wait, that's, but that's also incorrect. Right. It's, it's kind of, kind of lame, actually, when you think it was like, oh, that was, that was the reveal. Yeah. Maybe this isn't very good. Again, it's just, <laughs> well, it's just weird because it's like, it has elements that are good. It's just, it, they don't, the pieces don't fit together. It's just kind of like they threw a lot of stuff at the wall and it, you know, it's like, okay that was something I watched, but like, again, you know, when the witch isn't the actual threat, like, like again, she dies like pretty easily, just getting stabbed in the face by the wand. And then she's done. And you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. and then, and of course it's from a mile away. We see Brown Jenkins, Jenkins Brown come, come and like, you know, crawls out. You're like, Oh, he's going inside Rupert Grint. Like that's going to (laughs) happen. You know, it's like, don't, don't don't surprise me. Just show it to me. You know, like you might as well have shown him going into his mouth and like, oh, mm. the reveal's gonna happen. But it's just you know, it's just one of those weird things because they they leave, you know, and again, his friend and the woman leave after he's been like ripped open. 
just be like, oh, let's get out of here. Okay. He's dead. We don't want to get caught because, <laughs> you know, we're African-American. We'll, we'll be thrown in jail for no reason. So let's get the fuck out of here. Then it's just like, it's just like you said, what, what is the plan? The whole time was just so I can, you know, my, 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 my witch who I worshiped is dead. Eh, okay. Well, I still survive. So it's okay. I don't know. It's just kind of, I guess maybe he's going to find another witch. I, I guess, you know, there's probably other ones. Yeah. Again, it's like, what? Okay. I'm not saying my villain needs to have like the ultimate goal of like world domination either, but. No. Know. Yeah. Not, not every, not every Lovecraft adaptation has to end with this idea. Like, well, uh, the world and, and existence no. is, is doomed, but we like, I guess, yeah, it's sort of, why is, why is any of this bad? Which, I mean, I guess the fact that he is dead and, and you know, something else is possessing his body is objectively a bad thing. But it's yeah. like, why why are, why is this bad for, why is this bad for the world? How did, how did, how did Keziah Mason's agenda become furthered by Rupert Grint? Right. And kind of being, kind of, kind of being a little rapscallion at the end there. And, and also, you know, with his sister dying and like, she's in her, you know, the state that she died in as a ghost. So Rupert Grint, you would think he would just die and become a ghost too. And finally be reunited with his sister forever. Yeah. Why was she? A- right. Like, like, why? There's no, there's, like, there's, <laughs> okay. No, no, really. It, like, you try to think of this. Like, I like again, watching the scales fall from Jim's eyes. He's like, this is bad after all. <laughs> Like there's no there's no internal logic to no, the world, is no, there? No, there's not. I, I could understand if like he dies and then he's like a ghost going, oh fuck, okay. Well, at least I get to be with my sister. <laughs> there's supposed to be some significance given to them because they're twins. Like right. that's supposed to be the key. That, but then see, see a good ending would have been like him dying and then like oh he's actually his young self. Oh, it's sweet. At least it'd been like a sweet ending. No, it's like he's dead. He doesn't get to be a ghost. He's just dead. Yeah, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of tries to have like uh, have its cake and eat it too by sort of making it like, well, not only did he not achieve what he wanted to by bringing his sister back, but also now he is this vessel. And I, I wonder if it almost would have been like it would have been a further derivation from the source material, which this episode has shown it has no real concern for. Yeah. Have it happen where she be she like because of his sacrifice she crosses over and now he is the dead one right um right. they switch well, places then, then you, you still have that hint of tragedy then but then also but there is some goodness as well like this this one i mean i know james loves a bleak ending and this one doesn't really feel like like it wants to be bleak but it's not so much it's just kind of it's it's inconvenient yeah no it's it's like it's like I don't know. It's just a it's like a bland bleakness. It's like not even. Oh man, that's really like crap. It, I didn't care. I was like, okay, he's dead. Good for him. You wasted your life anyway. Stop playing the. You stop tickling the the ivories when your sister died. So you wasted your life trying to find her. You finally find her, and you're still whining about it too. Like, please don't leave. Like, <laughs> shut up. Just like, like you know. <laughs> Stop! Like, you're, you get get a job like your you know friend. Yeah, you're a bartender, but like, you know, what what they tip back then? Two pence? Like, you know, like they, they didn't tip well back then. 
I, I think I think Pence is. I know, I know. A I, European currency. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but you know, in 1930s, I'm thinking a lot of Europeans were still coming over. You know, will you take <laughs> right, Britain? Britain, British people were regularly coming back trying to retake the colonies. Yes, always. Um, I mean, that's, that's a historically documented fact. Uh, it's oh, funny that um, you've got a, a Brit, Rupert Grint, yeah. doing yeah. an American accent, and, and an got... American, DJ Qualls, doing a British, doing an, doing a British <laughs> accent. I think DJ Qualls' accent is better than Rupert, Rupert Grint's. But, it's it's, uh, it's it's at least fun, you know. You're like he's having fun. But with I, I happen to know that DJ Qualls went to Cambridge, so he has some. Uh, oh. Okay. Um, See, I don't. I don't know like, if I again. If I I'm find bragging that I've like chatted with him because I learned. <laughs> right, I learned yeah, that from no, him. They're, wow. They're, they're David. David and DJ Qualls are basically best friends. Yes. We talk about Mark Webb films all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I find Rupert Grint's accent bad so much as it's inconsistent. Whereas Crispin Glover's is consistent, but just like, what are you even doing? Yeah, with he's this? just going full Glover. With a, you know. Um and and you know we we couldn't James and I couldn't decide whether it's it's him being crazy or is he an in depth enough actor where he was doing so much research that like well if you were in Boston in the 1930s and you did descend from this ancient lineage yeah. like who knows would this be the dialect that you would speak kind of thing so yeah who knows with with Crispin Glover and his uh, Czech palace that has to constantly be renovated <laughs> um but yeah I don't. Man, I don't, what else? Because now, er, anything else that has occurred to me now is just more negativity, such as, like, yeah, yeah. why would you create these secondary characters just to cast um, non-white people and just to make them yeah. tertiary characters who have no real bearing on the plot? Uh, it, yeah, this is all... This is upsetting. This is upsetting me right now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. We, we um, broke Jim. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> I don't... I'm never, I'm never doing... This is the last... Episode of Cast of Cthulhu. Dave is never coming back on the show again. Well, you know, there is, it's not currently available in the U.S., but there is a 2022 Spanish movie called Venus that is yes uh, based on Dreams in the Witch. Okay, well, yeah, I I looked into that one as maybe being a future episode, and I saw that is yes, it is not currently in 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 a uh, in America, but, but I'll keep an eye um, on it. Yes. Well, and you know, James, James, you know, who knows where he gets his physical media from. So maybe right. someday a, yeah. a, a copy will, will show up at his doorstep and then, then, then we can all watch it together. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's even, uh, cause now that I'm thinking like that, it's just cascading. Cause even, I don't know, I don't know if it's individual by user, but if you go on Netflix and search for cabinet of curiosities, Kazaya Mason is the image yes. that shows oh, really? up like for the show. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Um, and it's, it's very unusual that this is happen well i don't okay i don't want to spend any more time talking about this episode okay we we've david i don't want you to feel um neglected even though we're not uh even though we've kind of closed the door on kazaya mason and her yeah. her dreamy her dreamy house you just came back from sundance yes oh yeah i did can, do, can i can i can i pick your brain just like what were your three the three favorite things you saw while you were at sundance okay let me let me look. I'm assuming Cat Person for one, two, and three. Um, I didn't dislike Cat Person. Um, okay, but uh, a lot of talk around that movie. Yeah. Uh, so my two favorite things that I saw. Uh, one is actually so Sundance is mostly premieres, but it also has a small section called the Spotlight section where they uh, <laughs> highlight movies from other festivals that haven't been released in the u.s yet so one of those um is a movie a, a french movie called other people's children 
um, starring Virginie Efira, uh, who is the gal from uh, Benedetta. Oh, nice! If mm. you saw that, uh, so uh, yeah, that's about a yeah a woman who um, uh, is in her early for early forties and and childless and starts to date a man with a, a divorced man with a young child and starts to want to have a child herself while she has time. Um, it's very good. Uh, the other one I loved um, is called Past Lives. It's a directorial debut of a woman named Celine Song, um, who is a playwright, by the way. So uh, mm. uh, my early, earlier point was was wrong. Uh, <laughs> this is a movie which Gre- Greta Lee, uh, if you know who Greta Lee is, um, uh, plays a woman who was born in Korea, now lives in New York City and is married to a white American man. But then her... Uh, childhood crush um from korea comes to visit new york city and um so i guess it's kind of a love triangle but it's much deeper uh, and more emotional than that if you're gonna make me pick a third there's like a bunch of stuff i would say is kind of tied for uh for third place but i'm gonna go with the one that you can see uh in theaters right now uh infinity pool it's oh, it's yeah. great yeah it's not as good as possessor but it's still great, and Mia Goth continues her hot streak. Um, she's amazing in the movie. She's hilarious, she's sexy, and she's scary, and mm. often all at the same time. Nice. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool movie. I will be checking out Infinity Pool soon. Um, I am excited for that one. Um, and I, I I was also able to check out through my work. I was able to check out Kim's video, the documentary on Kim's oh, nice. video. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a very interesting story. Um, I think it could have, I think a, a better director would have served its sort of unfolding intrigue and mystery aspect a little bit. But better. I don't think you but, could do a different, I mean, the movie wouldn't be the movie it is with a different director because his, his obsession is as much a part of the story as, as this the, portrait of, of, of young men, Kim. Kim and his video video. So I can't imagine that movie being directed by anybody else. He, without ever putting himself, you never see him the entire movie. He narrates the entire thing and is operating the camera most of the time, but he's becomes such a part of the story of that movie. So I, I, I once again, I disagree with you. <laughs> well, David, you're not doing yourself any favors if you want to come back to <laughs> Did you try and get somebody else to watch a bootleg copy of Venus? Spanish Venus. Uh. <laughs> yeah, why don't we go ahead, wrap up. This has been a good time. Yeah. David's last time on here. He's never allowed to come back <laughs> again, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, except if we, yes, if we if we do Venus, we'll have to bring you back. Yeah. We'll basically make you an official an official third host at this point of, of the cast. I totally throw that on your resume. Um, but yeah, if for some reason, um, despite this being your third appearance, if people are like, who is David Bax? What does he do? They don't know who you are. Plug your stuff, man. Tell uh, where people can find more of your things and what sort of stuff you're doing out these days. Uh, well, the place to go is battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find my podcast. That's where you can find movie reviews when I write them. My life has been insanely busy lately, as Jim mentioned, and I have not been keeping up on movie reviews. But uh, there will be reviews, including of Sundance stuff soon. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, for as long as that still exists, at Davy Pretension. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I also I also have another podcast. My wife Natalie and I yes. do a podcast called "The One Where I Met Your Mother," where we are watching uh, Friends and How I Met Your Mother in concurrence. We're about halfway through the fourth season, um, 
the, the conceit is that she's a big Friends fan and I'm a big How I Met Your Mother fan. I think watching these shows has started to win me over to the Friends side. But like I said, we're in the middle of season four, which is a really strong run for How I Met Your Mother. So we're uh, uh, it's it's coming back. It's fun to to see the shows battle out, battle battle it out. Do you have any representation for the How I Met Your Father fans? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I, I haven't watched any of that. <laughs> Maybe someday. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, the second season just started. It's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I enjoy it, but you, you can kind of throw it on in the background and not miss much if you're missing much. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, David, for, for coming again. We are, of yeah, course, the Cast of Cthulhu. Um, we are on Twitter at Cast Cthulhu. I am Nolan Fixes Teeth, and James is Fistful of Media. Oh, you can anymore. find all of our backup. Oh, no. Wonka, Wonka kills pigs. As long as Twitter's around, exactly. <laughs> yeah. J- James is Wonka kills kids. Um, you can find all of our back episodes anywhere um, that you get your podcast, as well as casticthulu.podbean.com. And we are hosted on battleshipretention.com. So, um, so courteous of you guys. We appreciate being part of the fleet, the Battleship Retention fleet. Um, but yeah, uh, since we are done with this um, episode and this month, that means that we have to have eyes on February. Um, and James, again, I have actually, I, I do have some ideas okay. that we should do for February. So if you got your Netflix subscription, <clears throat> on Netflix, you can find Apostle. Apostle is the first feature that Gareth Edwards did after um, the raid in Raid 2. Um, in 1905, a drifter on a dangerous mission to rescue his kidnapped sister tangles with the sinister religious cult on an isolated island. I saw it when it first came to Netflix. Have not watched it since. So we're going to do The Apostle. And we're going to do the last. Oh, it's just Apostle. Oh, The Apostle is the, the Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, yeah. <laughs> not very, not very okay. Lovecraftian. Good movie. But, yeah. um, actually, we're going to do The Apostle and, and Tender Mercies. <laughs> yeah. The Duvall Lovecraftian duo. The great Santini. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, man. Okay, so thank you for the correction. Apostle, and then um, on Prime, The Last Lovecraft, The Relic of Cthulhu. Jeff, yep, 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 this sounds familiar to you, James. Jeff is an ordinary guy that is stuck at a dead-end job with a boring life, but when a strange old man gives him an ancient relic and tells him that he is the last bloodline of H.P. Lovecraft, he and his friend Charlie embark on an adventure to protect the relic piece from falling into the hands of the star spawn and his minions that wish to reunite the relic and release Cthulhu back into the world. So we've got a... Maybe spiritually inspired one and a definitely kind of like in the realm of Lovecraft, but not adaptation. So I think that's a good kind of yeah. um, middle ground. And if you guys have subscriptions, like I said, it's free already. We're not going to do the, the rentals thing because it's, you know, I know what it's like. You got a baby. Um, I, well, I have a baby and, you know, you got to you got to pinch your pennies where you can. But you, you guys, you guys don't have babies. You don't know what it's nope. like to have yeah. a baby. No. Quit trying to tell me what it's like to have a baby. <laughs> I know what it's like to have a baby. Um. But yeah, that's it. Um, again, David, thank you so much for joining us. Um, greatly appreciate it. Yep. Um, certainly best wishes to you. Best wishes to Scott. Best wishes to Tyler, of course. And again, uh, listeners, in the show notes will be the links to the Caring Bridge and to the GoFundMe page if you feel so inclined. Um, and uh, yeah, be sure to tune in next time where we'll be um, covering Apostle, not the Apostle. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. 